So you went into business for yourself because obviously you were ready to be an independent contractor. You weren't going to be working for people anymore. You know, your experiences led you to believe at this point you're ready to move forward. You've gotten burned maybe here and there a little bit, but the time was right for you to seek out and actualize your talents and your skills and strike out on your own. So what did you do? Where did you start? What was the basis for this? I was really relying on my ability to sell myself, sell my skills. You know, someone has to trust you to deliver what you say you're going to do. And for me, I really wanted to focus on what I knew best. It's like writing, right? They say, write what you know. Well, I I wanted to go to the industries that I knew best. I wasn't going to run to pharmaceuticals or advertising. I went to the music business. I went to music education, actually. Sure. And a couple of the immediate calls that I made right out of my Rolodex, one was the music sales company, Music Sales International, big music education publisher. And another, I didn't really know, I, I cold called Hudson Music, formerly a DCI Video. And they were really well known for their videos for, you know, Jaco Pastorius and Steve Gadd. And, you know, really they were the Coca-Cola of the music educational video business. But DCI had sold to Warner Brothers. And so there's two owners, Paul Siegel and Rob Wallace, and they restarted a new video company, Hudson Music, and really started right at the time of DVD, you know, mid nineties as DVD was just being born. So here I am coming out of the experience of working at a post house. And of course, working with Harry Hirsch. Mm -hmm. And now I sort of have my shingle on the wall, right? Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm now a company. I always like to, uh, to use the story of Frank Zappa where, you know, he talks about, you don't really have anything until you frame it. Uh Right. And he was talking about art or music, but you know, if you frame something, it's a thing. So that was sort of the idea of doing my business. I mean, obviously there's legal reasons and formal reasons, things like that, but I won't just be me on my own, Brian, you know, this was, Hey, I'm going to start an entity and I'm serious about this. I get it. And that was the beginning of it. So I landed really those first two clients. I, I took a meeting with Hudson music. They had put out a DVD already. And it had cost them a ton of money. You know, it was really kind of a bloated project, but really name brand. I mean, they had, you know, Vinnie Caliuta and, and, you know, Horacio Hernandez was on it, like a ton of uh, real drummers in this. Uh, I think it was Modern Drummer Festival. I think they did. So my pitch was, look, I know this market. You know, I come from being a musician and, and going to Berkeley and all of this. I know what you need to do. And I have the DVD skills. Uh-huh. You know, I was at that point kind of a, leader in the, at least the New York scene of doing DVDs. Uh, And they said, yeah, sure. You know, what, what do they got to lose? I wasn't going to charge them an arm and a leg and they could take a chance. So we started with pretty low level projects and uh, with music sales, they had workbooks, you know, music workbooks, and they wanted to turn these into DVDs. And in some cases they had videos, you know, VHS tapes that they had already been selling. So that was really what was going on in the business quite a bit was you're turning existing products into this new format and any new technology goes through that. Yeah. You look at CDs, you know, everyone was doing vinyl and cassettes and, you know, you had to remaster and then remanufacture CDs and that that's the game. Sure. Now, if you take a look at the market for a second, you know, New York city, New York, 
wasn't really the Hollywood scene. All the DVD business was in Hollywood. And for years, everybody sort of waited for the advertising industry and they never really jumped up to DVD. They sort of skipped that format and they went right to streaming, obviously in more recent years, you know, just online video, but Hollywood and movies, which is really where the DVD industry existed, you know, people would set up companies and just do contracts for 50 DVD projects, the matrix, you know, whatever. And none of that was in New York. So New York really was a, a boutique market, you know, a niche market. Sure. And that helped me because I was really a one man shop and had a very limited amount of equipment. So working with these smaller boutique producers or production companies, publishers, that was really, you know, the secret for me. And so music sales and Hudson music jumped on board and we started doing a whole bunch of projects Yeah, with Hudson music. I eventually became the only vendor for them. I was really became an in-house resource, even though I was a third party now company. Uh -huh. And we did a ton of projects, um, you know, classic jazz drummers, um, you know, the Buddy Rich Big Band, working with Steve Gadd, you know, in a session at Power Station, New York with Steve Gadd and engineer Jay Messina and sitting there in the control room and listening to playback and Steve Gadd turning to me and saying, well, Brian, what do you think of that take? Are you kidding me? You know, I pinch myself. That happened. You had talked about, you know, leveraging your skills in technology, mm. but it wasn't just that with these guys. It was more than that because you were also a drummer. You spoke their language and you could communicate with them on that level, yeah. which really sort of sets you apart. It's a real advantage for you. And I'm sure again, that kind of stuff gets reflected in the final product and the output in a production. So sure. If I were a drummer, who would I rather work with? Some guy who just knows the technology or would I rather work with someone who understands what it is to be a drummer? You know, that was my pitch, frankly. I mean, that was my pitch is I am your consumer. You know, that was how I got the jobs. You know, that was sort of the secret of starting the business was, you know, I'm going to work in this space that I know really well. You know, when I went to Berkeley that first year, I mean, you know, Chick Corea electric band was huge. Dave Weckl was the guy. And here I was then working with Dave Weckl. And, and that, that stuff blew my mind. I mean, that really was, wow. You know, this is, I can't believe I'm doing this. So how do you do the work when you're so awestruck by the people you work with? It's not quite awestruck, but it's like the reverence, right? Like the, the like respect, like having the respect for these artists and the music they're playing and what they're trying to communicate. That that really affected us. That made us want to make good projects and really to connect, not just be like, Oh, he's playing exercise two and whatever. And, and, and just putting it on the disc. Like, you know, we really listened. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you a good example. You know, where we put the chapter marks in the disc, uh -huh. we had a style of putting the chapter marks just ahead of the musical passages. So if you had to skip to a particular drum piece or a particular uh, musical segment, we would make sure to put the chapter point right before the downbeat. So you didn't miss the downbeat and have the full musical phrase. I get it. That's just stuff that we did. No one was telling us to do it. That was important. And all of those little things came through in the projects. Yep. And as far as the business, it allowed me to succeed, right? It allowed me to get repeat 
business, essentially. I mean, I haven't even really done a count. I mean, we did dozens of discs with Hudson Music and then, you know, music sales, Carl Fisher. We, en- we ended up doing projects with Hal Leonard. Basically, all of the major music publishers we became a resource for. Uh-huh. And so at least a good seven plus, almost 10 years from 2001, right up into almost the second decade of the millennium, we were doing DVDs. So I grew that operation and you know, I invested in equipment. I partnered with Hudson Music and just started building my operation. But I really was just me. It was my LLC, you know, the business, New York DVD publicly. But I started bringing in some freelancers and, and sort of key people that would work with me. Andrew Lepley, my longtime cameraman and photographer, you know, we met and started working together back then. And I had a, a handful of other sort of freelance uh, technicians and engineers. Yeah. So where is all of this, right? Where is this? So I'm living in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time. And technically, you know, my company's a New Jersey company, but I take office space at 311 West 43rd Street. Uh-huh. just west of Times Square, just north of the Port Authority bus terminal. Yeah. I rent a small office space and you know, I have like a one room place and I have a key and it's my first, you know, real incorporated company studio. That's cool. The relationship that you developed with these artists sounds to be that one of synergy where one plus one equals three. Sure. And that's why you got some really great results. And it also sounds like you also got a lot of a renewed business because you and renewed, not only renewed, but expanded business opportunities true. Yep, and expanded contacts. So a lot of credit goes to you for being able to take all of the skills you had, put them in this one package for people and to really put yourself in the right place at the right time in terms of the DVD company to start a business and make it flourish. And this this is the period that you're talking about where your business now is is taking root and is starting to flourish. And you're in New York and you have your own office. You're at this point now. So is that it? (laughs) Are you happy at that point in your life to say, I've got my thing going on. Now uh, I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep putting DVDs out. It's successful. I got a stream of income. I got a business. Or do you have your sights on something new? Well, in my mind, I knew at some point DVD would disappear. Sure. And anybody who was sort of tied into media technology knew at some point physical media would diminish. It wouldn't fully disappear. You know, as you and I talk today, you know, vinyl record sales are outpacing CD sales. There's an appetite for physical media and there's an appetite for it to be marketed. Uh But that being said, you know, I knew at some point, well, we're just going to be on computers and mobile and, you know, that's how we're going to consume media. And certainly that is where we sit today. That's how we do this. I mean, you and I are talking on zoom, you know, completely virtual. So I, I knew there was a shelf life to that effort and I couldn't just be that person, you know, in the corner doing DVDs. Even though, you know, my company was named New York DVD publicly. So I sort of make my mark in the New York scene for doing DVDs. I admittedly, I, I was not kind of the big fish in the pond. I, I was, you know, a smaller fish, uh, did not have a huge staff, 
Um, but, you know, I was doing recognized work. In fact, in 2005, we worked on the Neil Peart Anatomy of a Drum Solo project for Hudson Music. Big double DVD, uh, you know, hours of footage. Uh, I got to meet Neil up at Allaire Studios, upstate New York. A huge honor for me, you know, since uh, he was he was such a, um, uh, you know, I, I want to use hero. You know, he was certainly an inspiration uh, musically and and career wise too. You know, smart guy, great drummer. He's not known for you know, being very public with taking pictures and, you know, and he was really cool and took a photo with me. And beyond that, I sort of kept my distance with him and and worked at the session. We received an award for that project. You know, it was a DVD industry award. And uh, that made me very happy because not only was it good work on a project, but it was with, you know, a hero, with someone who I really admired. So that was a big turning point. You know, we were really firing on all cylinders. You know, we're looking forward now not doing any editorial. We were starting to do some audio. You know, I was uh, doing some surround sound mixing, you know, and working with some engineers and studios to do surround sound for DVDs. And I was producing foreign language recordings for these DVDs. So we were starting to branch out and doing a, a bunch of these different things within the DVD format. Can you explain when you say the word we? Yeah. Do you have a staff that are working for you at this point? What, what's what's going on in terms of the company? Have you built the company out for the day-to-day operations at this point? So I mentioned being at 43rd Street and I had a, a small office there, did a number of projects, all DVD stuff. Uh-huh. And then, you know, as my relationship grew closer to Hudson Music, you know, we really started partnering and I was their kind of in-house kind of go-to uh, vendor. I moved the operation down to Manhattan Center where their editor worked. So when I start talking about we, it becomes this group of people, you know, the great Phil Fallow, editor that worked with uh, Hudson Music, still does, as far as I know. Um, you know, Phil worked out of Manhattan Center, so it made a lot of sense. Hey, if you got an empty room, I'll come down. I'll rent the space. I'm right here. There's no more, you know, FedExing or messengering tapes or anything like. That. I can just walk down the hall, right? Easy. And Hudson Music ends up taking space there too. So this becomes you know, kind of the idea, you know, this close knit relationship with Hudson music. And then I'm still doing third party work and I start building the team. So I start taking on a couple young staffers, you know, sort of engineers. I'm still doing the heavy lifting of the DVD work, but I was doing a lot of training at the time around town. So I was a good teacher. It was a good training resource for my own staff. So I would bring on a couple people and have them as basically freelancers and having them do sort of what's thought of like assistant engineer work, you know, setting up projects, running encodes, and then I would do the heavy lifting. And then any of the graphic design stuff or the photography was fully third-party people, but I was managing that that team, you know? So when I say we, yeah, I'm the captain lashed to the, to the wheel, but, you know, there's a, a small cadre of people that are putting these projects out into the world. And that would vary right? You do a book project with music sales, that would be different than a double, you know, four hour DVD with Neil Peart with Hudson Music, right? So the the resources and the puzzle pieces change. Sure. And that that's stayed with me all these years. You know, it's like, and you and I have talked about this, it's like managing or leading a band. You've got to do a ballad, 
you know, you're going to use these players. You're going to do a, you know, a bebop tune. You're going to use these players, right? It's always about puzzle pieces and putting them together to achieve what you want to do. This is an interesting point. I don't know whether you mentioned your belief in teamwork. You know, the examples that you're giving are great examples of your ability to work as a player on a team, which is baked in to the life of a musician. Yeah. Everything is a team. Unless you're a solo artist, you're still working with a team anyway to produce your work. But if you're working as a performing musician, you always are working with a team of other musicians, small ensembles, large ensembles. You're part of something larger. And here you look like you are part of something larger, but you're a major contributor. But this point in your career seems pivotal to me to the extent that you mentioned you are starting to train others. Mm -hmm. And you said to me that they're young people. Mm -hmm. You're not so old yourself at this point. <laughs> you're still considered a young person, but you're now you're the role is sort of your role is sort of shifting now. Whereas you were being mentored by Harry Hirsch and some of these other folks in the industry. Now you're at this pivot point in your life where you're beginning to mentor others and you're able to utilize some other skills that you have in terms of your teaching ability mm -hmm. and training to help other people grow as part of your team. So this is, uh, you know, it's a point at which I would take note in my life and my career that my role is now a lot larger than it was before. And taking on this responsibility for the success of others is a part of that. We won't waste time on, on my outlook on the business world and business leadership. I often feel like I've just run my business as a vessel, you know, to get me down the river. Sure. You know, 20 years later now, I sort of realized that even more, you know, I mean, it's nice to put a frame around it and say, Hey, I got a business and the philosophy of operating, you know, if you're just going to be the solo artist, you you can only achieve so much. If some point to grow, you know, you have to get beyond being a singular entity, a single person. And the concept of, of a music group and managing a, a group or, or being a band leader, it's just as simple as this, you know, the performance of a group of musicians together is greater than what they can do individually. You said one plus one is three, which is, you know, that's my slogan. I've had that on my coffee mugs at the studio, you know, one plus one is three. So the output of the team of people should be greater than what the individuals can do. And that has certainly been proven by my efforts. You know, I can push the rock up the hill so far, but at some point when you bring the group together and you start delegating, you start training, you start using people's strengths that are frankly better than what you individually have. That's it. That's the secret. That's how I've operated what I've done. Again, to clarify, you know, I've never started and, and built my quote business to grow it and be a commodity and to sell off. It was really about finding the path in the market for what I wanted to do and you know, be the producer that I wanted to be and, and really follow that path. And the boat that I would be in would be the business. That's really, that. that's the journey for me. I really love that metaphor. 
I wish more people would take that approach to the journey that they take in terms of what their business really means. You know, the, for you, the business meant it was a way for you to get down the river and, or move upstream or downstream and maneuver in the business world. Let's look at that because you just made a good point. It's not always down the river. Sometimes it's not moving at all, or sometimes it's going upstream. Sometimes it's bailing water. It is. It absolutely is. It's weathering storms, right? Right. And and I've often used that analogy, you know, with my employees and staff. I'm the captain lashed to the wheel and we're sailing this boat. And sometimes there's weather that you know is coming. And sometimes there's weather that you don't know is coming. Thank you for listening to the East Main Podcast. This is Brian Brodeur. Please don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and leave us a good rating. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to drop us a line, you can, of course, visit our website, eastmainmedia.com, and follow us on social media at East Main Media. And as always, please stay safe and healthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.